You, you just look like you're not having it right now. Is is more. My body's tired. I'm tired, but I'm good. I'm good. You got a little RBF going on. That's awesome. what's that? Hmm? What's that? Rest- oh, I thought you were talking about Red Bull. <laughs> I was like, I don't have any Red Bull. I promise you. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Josh Newberg. We have the full cast of characters here with us. Brendan Sinone, Chris Nee, Zach Blostein. Fellas, it's been a busy week. We have been, we've been covering camps for, it feels like two months now, but I think it was just a weekend. Um, Florida State, you know, kicked off the June period with Midnight Madness. That lasted into the week. We saw Elijah Pritchett come visit. We'll talk about that on an official visit in the middle of the week. And then over the weekend, we had an elite camp followed by a mega camp. I think we saw about 2,500 different prospects. Um, we've written about it. We've cut up video. We've, and now we're going to talk about it. Chris, how are you feeling? Wide awake at this early morning hour. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing just great. Uh, Zach, are you currently on the bench or are you at home? Where are you at? I'm at home. Soon to be on the bench, though. Oh, my God. Zach, All right. And then you gave me a moral victory yesterday, but he's just going to flat out beat me today. <laughs> Brendan. How you? How are you coping through all of this? I mean, I have to do less work than you guys do during the recruiting season, so I'm fine. I got plenty of energy. Hey, mm. hey, was the elite camp more elite or the mega camp more mega? Like, what what was more towards its title? I think that's a jumping off. Point I think for this I think the mega camp was more mega. I think the elite camp was very good and served a, a important purpose. It was a good follow up to Midnight Madness, <clears throat> but I think the mega definitely lived up to his name. What do you think? Yeah, the mega camp was super mega, right, guys? Yeah, when you have 600 walk-ups and you already had, what, 1,900 registered? I mean, you're talking about 2,500 kids at four sessions of camp. I know it's four sessions, but that's still an average of about 625 kids per session. That's that's mega. Incredible. Well, we're going to get to the mega camp. We're going to get to the elite camp, but let's rewind it real quick and go back to the Elijah Pritchett visit. He took an official visit to Florida State that began on the 4th, which was a Thursday afternoon when he arrived just afternoon um and he stayed until saturday uh zach bring you in here to talk a little elijah pritchett he's one of florida state's top offensive line targets out of south georgia uh columbus georgia what was some of the intel what are some of the things that we're hearing coming out of his official yeah so i think the biggest thing um that he told us was that or kind of told us was that he's going to be back on fsu's campus on wednesday for the big man camp to work one-on-one with Alex Atkins in a full padded uh, setting. So that's that's a cool development, and that's obviously a great sign for Florida State. Other than that, you know, he had he had the general good things to say about an official visit. FSU rolled out the uh, red carpet, and um, Alex Atkins, uh, O-line assistant Cooper Williams, and, and a couple other coaches were, were you know, with, at, with Pritchett and his family for the entire visit. I think he brought his mom and a few siblings on the trip. Um, so, so that was a good sign. And, you know, I think with, with Florida State getting him back on campus this week, you got to like where they stand. He's got, a, he's got visits to, I think, Georgia and Alabama yeah. set up. And then he'll, he'll take some more probably before deciding. 
Yeah, and the big news is he's pushing his decision date back. Yeah, he was exactly. He was going to decide on July second, and it looked like oh, Florida State's going to get him twice in on in June, and you know, take a big swing and maybe land him. But it always seemed like Alabama was kind of looming. Uh, Chris, do you think it's good news or bad news that this decision date was pushed back from Pritchett? Well, I think it's a mixed bag. The fact that FSU's already burned their official, it's kind of a negative in that regard. But I think the fact that FSU using their official, bringing about that decision, is a positive. Uh, Steve Wilfong for 24-7 did an additional piece, like an insider, on the visit. One of the key quotes in there, they're showing a player they really wanted. He said no program is recruiting harder than FSU. So I I think it's clear as day that FSU has made an impression. Now it's obviously the things they have to continue to do. We also should mention in this, Ryan Bartow, director of high school relations, very well liked at Carver, went there a ton when he worked on our side of the aisle, very well known there. He helped FSU get in on one of Pritchett's teammates immediately after being hired. So I think that's another connection beyond Alex Atkins having a very good relationship with the young man and his mother that it's going to be key in this recruitment. Yeah, and we saw Bartow heavily involved um, throughout the day in, in taking the family on tours and things of that nature. One other prospect I want to get to before we actually break down the camps. Um, he was on campus, a bit of a surprise, but Earl Little Jr. arrived, was it on Friday, Zach? Yeah. And Earl Little Jr. is a four-star cornerback, the number 12 corner in the country, and 102nd player overall. He's out of American Heritage High School. He's a big-time prospect. And we've known he's interested in Florida State, but talk a little bit about the development that happened this weekend. Yeah, it was huge to get him on campus. It was almost like an official visit. The fact that he came Friday and then returned on Saturday. And not only did he just visit, he also camped. He 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 worked out in the elite camp with Marcus Woodson one-on-one. So that was a really cool thing to see. Um, I mean, they pretty much had everyone camping aside from like a couple of prospects. And, and, just to- and then he was also on campus all day Sunday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, then, and then he left. We, we found that out at the end of the day. Uh, during the mega camp, somebody had mentioned to us that Earl Little and his dad were doing something. We're like, wait, they're they're still here? <laughs> he was like, yeah, he hasn't left yet. Um, so yeah, he was on campus all weekend. What do you what do you take from that? I mean, if you look at his crystal ball, there's there's five predictions, four of them for Alabama, one for LSU. Um, we know the Gators are also involved, but where do you think Florida State stands in this recruitment right now? I think they made a huge move this weekend specifically. Um, I think a, a big part of it was trying to tie in Travis Hunter because Travis Hunter was on uh, five-star defensive back event. Travis Hunter was on FSU's campus all week, including when when or when Little was on campus. So they they try to tie those two together and, and, and kind of make it seem like they could be you know that really elite uh, duo at the next level. And I think, um, you know, obviously you want to be the guy when you go go to college, and I think a lot of these prospects do. But when you get to team up with a guy like Travis Hunter, who's, you know, not he's an alpha dog, but he's not a guy that's going to not be inclusive. You know, he's a good teammate. And I think that's what they try to do on this visit. I think that's what the, me- the message to Little and his family um, was. And I, and I think I think it, it paid off. When we talked a Little, he, he talked specifically about the, the possibility of joining Travis Hunter um, at Florida State and how – that's an appealing option for him. Yeah, I spoke to Little when he concluded that first day of the visit, which was a pretty heavy day for him as far as taking pictures, took pictures with the Thorpe Award, took pictures with Hunter, 
did tours, talked to coaching staff members and learned more about the school. It was the first time he really had an intensive day of learning about FSU. His father, Earl Little Sr., played at Miami. He was also on the visit with him. I think FSU did a good job of kind of mixing red, rolling out the red carpet for them while also making it kind of a serious visit, very targeted on Earl Little Jr. about you're the piece of our secondary that we want as part of this very good class that we have with Hunter, McCall, and such. And I, I think Marcus Woodson and the staff as a whole did a very good job of making that message abundantly clear to Earl Little Jr. When I spoke to him that day, he said FSU had really solidified their position. I think he meant within his top five. He's pretty firm about those five. He intends to take visits. He's not going to decide to an all-star game. So there's work to be done here. But, you know, for a kid who's Miami legacy, who Alabama is very heavily involved with and LSU is also involved with, I think FSU's done a good, good job of kind of positioning themselves for trying to make a second effort here and seeing if they can pull off what would be sort of an upset victory in my view. But I certainly didn't feel like his visit was just a token visit of, hey, they like me, I should go see them. I felt like Earl Jr. was certainly fully engaged and very interested in learning more about FSU. All right, let's get, we got a couple other visitors we can talk about later, but I want to get into the camps because that's what everybody's here for. Um, So when we talk about the camps, I think it's proper to break it into two categories. Um, Heading into the weekend, there was the known and there was the unknown. The known was what we posted on Knowles 24-7, which was the visitor list for the weekend and for the June 6th camp, um, the June 6th mega camp. And I think heading into the weekend and in the weeks prior, there was maybe some confusion as to why Florida State was going to have all these top prospects on campus and also inviting 600 other schools to come and also take part in it. Yet... Once it was all revealed and the weekend started, I think it start, it, it made sense. Um, at about 4 p.m. on Knowles 24-7, we posted a story saying that there would be an elite camp on Saturday being held on the practice fields at Florida State. And so now things start making sense. Okay, here's what's happening. The Florida State staff had this huge weekend um, built around this mega camp on Sunday But what they did is they had all their top prospects that they actually care about, that they've offered, that they're recruiting. They had them come to campus on Saturday and do an evening workout that began on the practice fields and concluded in Doak. Um, Brendan, I want to actually bring you in because you had a nice overview of of all of this. Uh, The elite camp, what was your thoughts on on what you saw out there, maybe compared to past years or – you know, just in general, what were some of your thoughts? I thought it was a really cool concept to have the hand-selected guys out there. I know that's something that Willie Taggart did with the Saturday Night Live event a couple of years back. And this didn't have quite the same, like, build-up to it. They kept it pretty low-key and quiet, like you said, Josh. Uh, but it was really well done because it was this blend of, like, a, it was like part junior day, it felt like, with all the tour aspects. They took guys to, to go play hoops and I think play dodgeball and stuff like that. Uh, and then they had a pretty like condensed workout period. It wasn't a long camp. It was like about maybe an hour and change or they did some some individual drills uh, with their position coaches. And then they did some like one versus one stuff. And that was about it. Then they had a snow cone uh, after afterwards. So all the guys were interviewing all had like blue mouths or, or, or yellow mouths or red mouths. Uh, depending on what snow cone flavor color they they got. So it was fun. They moved the guys inside to Doak. Uh, for the for the one-on-one drills and they did some like special team stuff with like can Kanaya Charlton is returning a punt 
And so you know, just a 360 pound yeah, dude returning a punt was fun. They had the jugs machine out there throwing punts to uh, <laughs> offensive and defensive linemen at the conclusion of camp. That got so everybody going. It was a really cool blend of having that visitor atmosphere where you're having fun. It's informative, but then also having you know competition. I can see Travis Hunter out there competing after he's been here for like what feels like three months. Uh, it's only been a week. It was really cool and really well done. And what, the fact that it was kind of kept secret you know, publicly, I think just kind of added to what was a nice haul of talent to have early on in the camp season. And I think a, one of the, one of the uh, surprises from the elite camp was just the abundance of, of big men that were there. Uh, Chris, we can speak to this. We, you and I spent the summer of what was it? 2019 complaining about the lack of big men on campus. And here we are at one event with probably double the amount of offered big men on the offensive and defensive line than we saw in an entire summer under that last year under uh, what's his name. So what did you think of the resurgence of, of big men at camp this year? Well, I enjoyed the O-line group. You got a guy like Bubba Jeffries, who's a 2023, Tyler Jeffries from Alcoa, Tennessee. He's a talented kid. They certainly like. They offered back in February. You got Kanai Sharon, Alubara, Ba, uh, Quayshon Sapp. So you got three major O-line targets for this class that they definitely want here. I thought Charlton had a great night on the offensive side of the ball. Then defensively, we had, I think, ballpark about 10 defensive linemen. You know, some of the names are certainly guys, you know, a guy like Kelly was there, but not working out. Uh, Trevion Williams was a new face there, really stood out. One of the guys that landed an offer at the event, you know, very talented kid. You've got uh, Damon Wilson, who was from Venice, who's a little bit lesser known, but was impressive in his own right. And then you had a decent amount of the top targets, Daniel Lyons, for example. His teammate Dante Anderson was also there with him. There were some other defensive linemen of note that we mentioned during the event. I thought it was very good sign for FSU because you win in the trenches. That's where, right. you know, to see them get guys repeatedly back on campus, like Charlton and Sapp, for example, is extremely important on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively to have a guy like Lyons who really likes Odell Higgins personally and having dealt with him to have him have the ability to be coached by him is a key component to his recruitment. So definitely a positive sign. One thing I'll add on the elite camp that I really liked was I didn't feel like there was a lot of uh, fat that should have been trimmed. I felt like it was a very good group of guys that they certainly want or are evaluating at a high level. And that made it a good event because a lot of guys got a lot of reps and it was very competitive. And while it was kind of short and concise, there was still so many reps that you got a very good view of each and every guy that was participating in it. How many guys were there, Chris? 80-ish? Uh, yeah, ballpark, I'd say yeah. some. I didn't get a hard count at the end. I think our, our original list was ballpark about 45, 50. There was a decent amount of kind of walk up or locals that showed or guys that came with other guys, or for example, a bus came from Virginia, North Carolina area that had a few kids on it. So there was stuff like that, that happened. But for the most part, it was kind of 75, 80. Uh, Zach, you paid a lot of attention to some of the skill guys. There's a, there's a good bit of 2023 talent in there as well. Give me a rundown of some of the top wide receivers and DBs that camped at Florida State. Yeah, well, you got to start with Travis Hunter, who worked primarily at receiver because um, I'm sure he wanted to make some plays. You know, he didn't they, they didn't get a ton of reps, but Travis Hunter was was, you know, trying to get himself in the rotation as much as possible. They probably did like 15 reps on, on the side I was watching and Travis Hunter got like four or five of them. So he, he kept getting back in rotation. So that was a good sign. Um, the LSU DB commit with Terrence Welch. 
he, he was really impressive. Um, I thought he, he did a great job in coverage, and I think he's a legit cornerback prospect. And then a local guy on the defensive backside, uh, Makari Vickers out of uh, Tallahassee, John Paul Catholic. I think he's legit. Um, we have him ranked in like the top 100 on 24-7 sports. I think that's a great rec- ranking. Um, he's only 15 years old, and he looks like a, a college defensive back. Um, and, and I think he's only going to get better. He, he works with a guy over in Tallahassee that trained Terry on Arnold, who's, who's going to Bama. So I, I think Vickers was really impressive. And then you mentioned the 2023 receiver uh, receiving class that was there. They had a guy like uh, Jalen Brown, who's the number two ranked receiver on 24-7 sports, who's a speedster, really good track athlete, and showed that, um, you know, inside Doke, he, he burned someone on, on a go route and, and, and caught a touchdown. So that, that was really impressive. And another guy I'll mention is uh, top 247 receiver Adam Hopkins. He had a couple a couple nice reps, and he says FSU is his leader now. Josh, at the beginning of the elite camp, you were very much attached to the quarterback group. I think we had eight to ten quarterbacks in here. Uh, Avery Johnson's one that I want you to talk about, 2023 kid. I'll also throw out a 2025 kid that impressed me. It was Colin Hurley from Jacksonville Trinity Christian Academy School. He was very good, big arm kid that they're definitely going to keep an eye on. They actually ended up offering him. But I'll throw Avery Johnson to you because I think he's a name that we're going to need to know going forward for FSU quarterback recruiting. Ooh, sorry, I had a pop-up in my ear. Um, yeah, the quarterback. I, I got a good chance to sit there and watch the quarterbacks. Um Avery Johnson was probably the guy that emerged as FSU's top target at the event. He's a 2023 quarterback out of Kansas. Uh, Mays is a city in Kansas, I believe. That's where he's from, Mays High School as well. Um, Avery is an athletic quarterback. We've seen now the viral dunking clips. And if you haven't, search Twitter for those. They were all over Knowles 24-7 and just getting retweeted all over the timeline as we were talking about Avery Johnson on Saturday. Um, He can throw it. He's not a developed polished passer. He doesn't do the year round quarterback camp stuff like uh, some of these guys do, but what he is, is a six foot. What would you say? He's about six foot three. We haven't listed at six foot two. I've seen him up to six foot four. I think he's probably more in the six foot three range. Um, Ball comes out of his hand real live. We needs to kind of polish up his release, some of his footwork stuff, but that's what you get. He's a two sports star. And I think Florida state actually likes that in him. Um, another guy that stood out to me from the 2023 class was Tyler Jefferson. He's about six foot two, 210 pounds out of Fort white, Florida. He's got a Florida state offer about a dozen, uh, about half dozen others. Um, he was impressive. There was also a 2024 quarterback that came in from Carlsbad, California, named Julian Sayan. Um, Julian is a guy that Florida State has offered early in the 2024 class. He also has some other big-time offers, including Florida, Arizona, um, Georgia. And Julian came from California, as I said, to throw for Kenny Dillingham. I had a chance to speak to him afterward. He said, um, Florida State's a school that he wanted to get out to. It's one of his first visits. He's going to leave and go to go on to a couple others, but he will be back. He's a 2024 target. So you kind of saw what Florida State was doing here. They have their 2022 guy in A.J. Duffy. They're not worried about um, evaluating a secondary one right now, as I've said a million times on this podcast. And Kenny Dillingham, Mike Norvell 
brought in a really good cross section of the 2023, 2024, and even like you said, a 2025 quarterback that hung just as well as some of the others. So they did a great job of bringing in quarterback talent. Um, where do we want to go from here? Mega camp. Mega. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's r- round out the elite camp with doing maybe a quick top performer. Just one name from everybody. Somebody that stood out. I'll start. Travion Williams, Mississippi defensive end, maybe stole the show at the camp, um, had everybody talking because he's six foot four and 250 pounds and was coming off the line like a like Brian Burns. But he is a guy that earned an offer at camp. I talked to him. FSU is in there. They say he says it's not too late. He's definitely coming back. He was blown away by everything that he saw at the camp. Chris, who's your top performer? I'll go with Kaniah Charlton. I don't know that he was necessarily the top performer of the event, but I think he caught people's attention. He's a big dancing bear. He's a very heavy upper body kid, but he's got kind of chicken legs going on and he can move. He can dance. He can make things happen. I had the dad of a very talented defensive end commit to FSU who, who he himself was a very good football player back in the day. Mentioned to me how impressed he was by Charlton and how he moved, how he did things. You know, he, he's going to have to reshape a little bit, but he's a competitive kid. I think he's taken a little lightly at times because he is heavy up top. And he's got that baby face. So he doesn't look like a mean maul and bear, but he's going to get there. Zach, top performer. I'm going back to Makari Vickers. I think he's one of those top 2023 DBs. And um, I, I just, I, I thought he, he performed well. He had an insane interception uh, on a pass intended to Travis Hunter. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't a great pass, but, but he, he made a really athletic play. So, I was really impressed with him. And Brendan. I, I don't know why Chris just didn't say the name of the father. He said that a father who played here, whose son is a defensive line commitment. I like making full connected box. <laughs> He's a storyteller. His son may or may not be nicknamed Boots. Uh, I'm going to cheat and go with two. Aluba was really mm-hmm. impressive. As someone whose junior film honestly did not wow me at all. The sophomore film when he was up in Memphis looked much better. I was a little skeptical on the take, despite hearing that, okay, he'd lost some weight in the spring. Uh, That weight loss was evident seeing it in person. He moved well. He was by far the best of the four offensive linemen uh, that were competing in the elite camp. Uh, Just the feet were quicker than I thought. I thought there was no chance, you know, when they took him a couple months back, Josh, that he could play offensive tackle. Now I think, okay, still probably a guard, but if he maybe got shots at right tackle. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. Uh, he, he was really good, really polished. And then, and then Aaron Hester was someone who impressed me. It's another FSU commit, the defensive end, you know, just the, the upper body build that he had in person was impressive. And we saw him uh, at midnight madness, uh, but then to see the athleticism and bend off the edge. Yeah. He's a little sawed off. He's only six foot two. That's always going to be that length is something he's always probably going to lack. He's not going to be elite in that category. But the the technique and the polish as a pass rusher, uh, he, he was by far the most consistent pass rusher we saw in a really good group of defensive ends uh, on Saturday. Yeah, that group of defensive ends was really good. It included Dante Anderson, um, Keon Keeley, who was maybe my sleeper pick out of Berkeley Prep, real long, lean passer. There was a lot of – And could bend. Yeah, he could, he could bend and dip that shoulder. Um, there was a lot of guys that we also didn't talk about, but you can read all of that on Knowles 24-7. We've been cranking out updates, um, videos, a whole lot of content. So let's move it over to the mega camp. Mega camp. Mega camp. Thank you. We saw 
four different sessions. You kind of hit on it at the beginning, but we saw four different sessions beginning at 10 a.m. really ran to perfection. Um, let's just get that out of the way right now. If there's any questions about the organization and the running of this camp, I mean, they really knocked it out of the park. And somebody that I stood and and, and actually asked a lot of questions to was uh, Pat Burnham, because Pat Burnham uh, was responsible for a lot of those sling and shoot USF camps back in the day, like 10 years ago, where they'd have these quote unquote mega seven on seven events with like 65 teams. And, and he was kind of in charge of running it. And he really was impressed with what was going on out there, the way that they were just getting guys in and more importantly out. Like I had my doubts because it was supposed to end at like 5 36 PM. And when I saw the first group come on, I was like, Oh, there's no way we're going to only have a half hour in between camps and be ready and set for the next group. And we were ready and set for the next group right on time, four times in a row. Uh, Brendan, yeah. you, you saw a lot of the chaos from the sixth floor of the uh, parking garage. What was just your take on the event itself before we get into some of the more detail? It, it was chaos, but it was controlled chaos. This was an event, Josh, that was, oh, about six months in the making. I mean, FSU started preparing for this back in January or February, early February, on the off chance that there was going to be camps allowed again in June. They started sending out flyers to to coaches and players and saying, hey, if this happens, you know, we want to see who's who's going to be part of this, who wants to to attend the camp. So they really start planning for it then. Uh, Jeff Cupper, who's director of, of football ops, uh, really was kind of one of the guys who spearheaded this along with Bruce Warwick, uh, Chuck Canner, and, and Adam Van Clay. And those are all behind the scenes football ops guys for FSU who do different things, uh, whether it's recruiting or or just overseeing the, the entire football program. It's like the four horsemen basically just try to keep this thing running uh, behind the scenes for the last few months. I mean, they are meeting with uh, FSU police, with local businesses in College Town, with nutrition, with athletic trainers, and trying to choreograph all of this. And this is something that Jeff Cupper did at Memphis. This was a bigger scale at Florida State. Uh, it was extremely well organized, Josh. They had, you mentioned that, that first group of kids uh, for them to be able to get I mean, hundreds and hundreds of kids showing up at 8 a.m., going and checking in, and Chuck Hanner's running that part of it, and and Zach walked by, and, and he enjoyed, like, yeah, Chuck's head was was spinning there, but he was getting them all in and out quickly. It was like it was like a fry cook, like just just flipping out the, the burgers fast, just, just keep, you know, flipping them out, flipping them out, flipping them out, and they go and they walk down to uh, about a block to the IM fields. Well, there's FSU police escorting kids or basically allowing them to walk through. you having the crosswalk and making sure the traffic is okay because it gets really busy and congested in that little area where there's some one-way roads and, and it could be confusing. Uh, so they're able to walk smoothly and easily to transition over to the football fields. There's a big line out the door as everyone's waiting for gates to open at around 10. Uh, sure enough, they open on time. Everything gets going. It was smooth. It was. Uh, it felt overwhelming to look at Josh and to be a part of for us. But the coaches who were there, the coaches who were running it, who knew what to look for, and I'm not just talking about FSU's coaches. I'm talking about the hundreds of coaches who represented over 70 different colleges from NAIA uh, up to you know Arizona State, Penn State, uh, Oregon. Uh, these high level of uh, programs, they do what they were looking for. They were able to find the top you know, prospects, and it was a really beneficial, at least I thought, beneficial for players, beneficial for coaches. It was remarkably well done. It felt like a co coaches convention at times. It was funny. One, me and Josh and Brendan and Zach all saw people that we know from the road that we see in the spring, things like that. Guys that used to work here. 
you know, I saw multiple former assistants here, like Brian Williams that's at Maryland, Jeremiah Wilson, who's now at Akron. Trickett. Yeah, Coach yeah, Trickett was here. He was here for USF, so on and so forth, quite a few others. A lot of high school coaches, a lot of relationship building on the day. I thought that was a big part beyond getting those kids work and getting a view of those kids was FSU staff was around a lot of other staff, some of whom they know. You know, we saw Mike Norvell talking to Juwan Sider from Penn State, for example. And then you also had FSU around a ton of high school coaching staffs and other people associated with high school prospects. So I think Uncle that, Luke? Yeah, Uncle Luke was there. Hey, he, he went from being part of the committee to being a welcoming committee. Don't, don't, mention, <laughs> don't mention the committee on this podcast. Um, careful, careful. It, it was efficient. Uh, at times it felt a little head spinning because there were just so many kids, such a massive humanity on the field. But if you kind of settled in as they were rotating through, you were able to get a view of three, four groups, usually all the defensive linemen, for example, or all the skill kids, all the defensive skill kids, quarterbacks, things like that. You could take it in. Early group, I saw a great offensive lineman, the young man, I think it's Travis Gray from Colorado. I think he's a kid that FSU could potentially go on. There was an international group in that early group. The first two groups were the best groups of the day, in my opinion. That may also be because at that point we hadn't yet melted into nothing because it was so damn hot. Um, but no, I loved it. A lot of offers went out, not only from FSU, but from other schools. I very much enjoyed when sessions ended, kind of watching the group, you know, separate and then watching the coaches seam in and you see the high level coaches, the lower level, the NAIA, and just kind of get in there and talking to all the different kids and getting a feel for it. Brendan, control yourself. I see you. Did, uh, did you just say, st- I know what you just, I'm, I'm, okay. two words, son, two words. Get your head out of the gutter. It's <laughs> but uh, no, it was interesting to watch because like, you know, the gray kid, for example, he comes to the sideline. I see the Maryland staff meeting with him for a while. I see a couple other coaches go up and shake the hand, tell him good job or, you know, you impressed or here's my card. And then I saw like Alex Atkins meet up with him and they walked away and talked for a while along with another offensive lineman. I just thought it was, and then, you know, Atkins comes back and works in a session and it just keeps going. It kept rolling. And, that's one of those things where I feel like if the train went off the tracks, it was never going to get back on, but it never went off the tracks. And it was pretty impressive to watch from an operation standpoint, but it also had value from an evaluation standpoint. Talk about the evaluation standpoint a little bit. Um, we saw as a, as a whole, you know, we weren't really keeping an overview track of what was going on, but we had Bud Elliott with 24 seven sports. He was also in attendance and he was kind of keeping more tabs on it. It sounds like there was m- well over 100 new offers that were extended at the camp. I mean, programs from Coastal Carolina to Arizona State to Penn State, like you said, there was a lot of programs out there and there was a lot of evaluations going on. Yeah, it was funny. Like you'd see a tweet. I'd like to thank Florida State for helping me get an offer from Middle Tennessee State at the FSU mega camps. You saw tweets like that after the event. And that's good to see. That's what it's supposed to be. And, you know, we've all waited 15 months to have the ability to evaluate kids. This felt like a spring jamboree on steroids, and I very much enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching the scouting process happen in real time. I enjoyed people seeing like a kid like Lucas Simmons, who's an international kid who's going to end up in Clearwater next year. He's 6'7", long, bendy, and can move. And you're watching people that have never seen him, and they're like, oh, man, that kid could play. And he was already before that camp but it definitely took off even more and then coaches chris it was funny because i was with the offensive line group when lucas simmons was was starting to get going in the one verse one stuff uh <laughs> a few coaches are circled around watching alex atkins is there then mike norvell's kind of hovering but the coaches in other groups like with arizona state was, was near me and uh, like just three or four watching him 
then all of a sudden you see them texting and, and making calls and all of a sudden there's like six or seven watching and then that group of about 50 coaches around turned into 100 by the end of it because there was a six foot seven offensive lineman who could bend so it was cool to see that happen at various times throughout the camp like someone's all of a sudden flashes uh, and then one thing i just wanted to add chris like you you mentioned that you guys are tweeting now. I want to thank FSU for helping me get you know, this offer. This is what this is long term. That's what the point of this is, is to build the brand of Florida State, to build relationships, uh, to make this a destination where coaches want to keep bringing their players back, whether it's for the mega camp, whether it's for other types of visits. That's the long term value, I think, that Mike Norvell is going for, in addition to the evaluating process. That 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 to me is the uh, inherent values that you want to make FSU a brand name again, uh, a destination. And I think this was a step towards doing so. Some FSU offers that went out from the event. DeAndre Robinson, 2024 defensive lineman who worked out, he got offered. Colin Hurley, who we mentioned earlier, 2025 quarterback, he did both the elite camp and the first session, I believe, of mega camp. He landed an offer specifically on the day of the mega camp. But I think obviously it was kind of a combo of the two events. Vernon Glover Jr. was another kid that was around, I believe, both nights or both days. He got an offer. Joe Vance Johnson, Joe Vance Johnson, quarterback, 2023 kid. He did both. He got an offer. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that picked up offers. Amari Farrell, Lake City, Columbia. He's a safety. He landed an offer. He came with Marcus Peterson, some others. Brian Grant, Choctaw offensive lineman, committed to Tennessee, I think, a few weeks ago. He picked up an offer. He's a guy that it was clear as day that they definitely liked. They took him on a tour. They were talking to him. His father was also there. His head coach, which is Frank Beasley, former Dunellen head coach, who coached Terrence Brooks, was also there. So they were talking to all of them. And obviously, you know, the relationship that Beasley has with FSU because of Brooks now kind of transitions to a relationship he now has with Mike Norvell being at Florida State. And then we've seen offers come since the camp wrapped up. Uh, the Swedish kid, the tight end, Theodore Ostrom. He, mm -hmm. he was actually with that group that Lucas Simmons and many other international kids were with. He picked up an offer yesterday. He's a kid that's going to be a fast riser. He had picked up an offer from Alabama after their camp where he turned into a viral highlight. So, you know, we see that FSU's already extended half dozen to 10 offers based off the mega camp. Some of those were also based off the elite camp. We're now seeing an additional amount of offers I expect to come out over the next week, two weeks of guys that they liked off the camp that they may want to dive in on the film a little bit more, reevaluate the board and go from there. So was the mega camp worthwhile? Yes, wholeheartedly, without a shadow of a doubt. It hurts nothing to do. And I think the returns on it are actually going to be better than maybe I expected going into it from an FSU specific standpoint. There you go, folks. Mega camp. It was worth it. Mega camp. All right, before we move on, we got a little bit of bad news on the docket here to cover. Uh, Kane Madden, are you sure this is we didn't cover Kane Madden's I commitment had, to Notre Dame? I had to go back and look. We did that on June 3rd, which had been a Thursday, and he committed mm -hmm. on a Friday. I know it all feels like a blur. It feels like yeah, it's been it feels like, like a month. A, yeah. We talked about how it was, we felt not great about how it was trending with the fact yeah. that he ended up at Notre Dame, but we never – we never said they were dead and buried. Well, now they're dead and buried. He's committed to Notre Dame. Yes, the edit has come out, and it's blue and gold. Uh, Kane Madden will play his final year of college football at Notre Dame. So Kane Madden to tally will happen, but only for one week. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, FSU is not able to land him. They do still have that available scholarship. I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with it just yet, um, but that's something I'll dig on over the course of the next week. I don't think – there's anybody in the portal right now that I would point to. Nobody FSU's active with. 
That means, um, you know, I expect them to continue to stay active, uh, scouring the portal until August, until fall camp starts. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'll have more information on that. The other bit of bad news, uh, Gabe Harris, a 2023 defensive end who looked really good at the elite camp, decommitted from Florida State on Monday evening. Uh, Zach, we knew there was a little smoke with Ohio State, but we didn't think he was going to decommit coming off this visit, did we? This caught me as a surprise. Yeah, I think it was definitely surprised. Um, but I will note one thing. I, when I was talking to Gabe on the field in Doak after the elite camp, I kind of asked him, like, is there a chance that, that you could flip? Um, he, said, he said, whatever happens, happens. So he wasn't, he didn't give a definitive, you know. He didn't shut it down. That's for yeah, sure. He didn't, he didn't shut his recruitment down. And that makes sense. He's about to go on a tour to, like, I think, like, 12 schools in, like, 10 days or something like that with the Domo group. <clears throat> they were at Georgia today or yesterday. And I think they're going to like LSU and Bama um, within the next couple of days. So I think Gabe kind of realized that he was getting a lot of love from these other big time schools. And um, he decided to decommit. He posted a video on Twitter today and he kind of explained it a little bit. I thought that was a pretty cool um, thing for him to do. So yeah, I think Florida state still sits in a good spot. He's originally from Tallahassee and he doesn't live far at all. So I'm sure he'll be back many times, probably this summer um, to, to, you know, to check out FSU again. And, and, and I think Florida State will have a good, good shot at uh, getting him back. It just, they're going to have to battle some of the big dogs um, later on. FSU doing a really good job of evaluating defensive ends early. Kelly and now Harris, both are guys that are studs who have drastically decommitted. Yeah. And decommitted, which is <laughs> But to FSU's credit, they're still heavily involved with both. Yes. FSU will remain in the Gabe Harris sweepstakes throughout. You know, when he went to Ohio State right after Midnight Madness, that's not a great sign in the sense of, yeah, this kid understands like he he's gonna he's gonna pick up a boatload of offers. Like he he's good. And he picked, he, up, he picked up the Ohio State his, offer, right? Yeah. I don't know if they offered or not for sure. I think they I think did. They did late last night. Yeah. Will Fong tried to warn us, people. <laughs> Listen to Fong. Yeah, and he had a real good explanation of it. He said, I'm young. I made an early decision. The NCAA just opened things up, and I want to take a look around. And it's like, yeah. Okay. And he's a he's an under the he's an under-the-radar prospect that is going to have a ton of options. And if you got a ton of options and you're young, like why why would you not want to go look into those? So kind of made sense after hearing hearing what he had to say about it. All right, Chris. Take us home on some uh, back-end stuff, then we're going to go to a commercial break and fire Sinone. Yeah, I adjusted some of the top targets. For example, I moved a guy like an Earl Little Jr. up to a top target. He was previously a high-choice type guy. I took a guy like Katron Allen, who did not show up in his first week, and moved him down. Some of the heat checks as far as cool, warm, hot, those type of things, we adjusted those accordingly. I think a big proving point of this past week is FSU pushed really hard to get kids in. There was midnight madness, so you could take regular old visits. You could come in for the elite camp, or you could even squeeze it in in the mega camp and get in there. And we saw a lot of kids show up. I think from our previous top target list, which was about 24 kids, something like 19 or 20 of them showed up. Very, very good sign. People are going to point out a guy like Marvin Jones Jr. has yet to show up. He still stays on that top target list, one, because of the bloodlines, and two, because we certainly know FSU wants him. But we're going to try to do it in real time. We're going to try to 
keep moving guys up and keep showing up. And we know FSC is clearly in it. It's a guy that FSC values and we'll slide them down just as quick. If they're not showing up, not scheduling official, or we just learned that FSC doesn't have them as high on the board as they once were or ever were. So that's something we're going to keep doing in real time. Obviously a ton of visits. We got a heavy bevy this week. We've got the big man camp in seven on seven starting on Wednesday. That's going to bring a bunch in. We expect some in on Tuesday. There'll be kids kind of dropping in every day. Yesterday was probably the slowest day we're going to have for a while. And there were still kids on campus. We saw a few mega camp stragglers and some others drop in. So that's sort of what it is. And that that's going to continue. But yeah, we're going to try to keep that target list specific to the 22 class updated in real time. So if people need a reference point, they can always go there. Yeah, that's good because summer is so crazy. There's a lot of comings and goings. And I can imagine it, it my head's spinning and I'm here in the middle of it. But if you're following it, you know, casually as a fan, I think checking in on that target list is good because we are updating that. And that kind of gives you a snapshot of the board. Um, Let's take a commercial break. And after that, we'll get into some buyer Sinone. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to On the Bench. We are about to get into a little buy or Sinone, everyone's favorite segment. Uh, it's a non-sponsored segment if you want to sponsor it. Feel free. Uh, but first, before we do that, I want to say thank you to all the listeners of On the Bench who... Uh, who took the call to action to sign up for Knowles 24-7. Obviously, there's been a ton going on. Uh, we had a a VIP offer, a promo, and you guys really uh, really stepped up. We led the entire network in subs for, for the first week of June. So thank you very much. Uh, Josh, you want to give him a shout-out since you've been the one, one pushing it? Hell yeah, let's go. We're number one in the entire network coming off a three-win season. Only FSU fans can support like that. So we want to shout-out to the, you guys. Um, triple digit signups over the course of the last week. So thank you. Seriously. Thank you. All right. Time for a little buyer's note. I'm going to cue up that music. Y'all ready for this? Yeah, maybe. I'm buying that all day. I'm also known that for sure. Bye, baby, bye. I am Sinoning it, but not no. at all. I'm going to Sinone it. I'm definitely Sinoning that. Big Sinone. I'd buy that. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I Sinone both of you. You can't out Sinone us. We're doing a little buyer Sinone. Find Sinone. Sinone. This segment is going to die because you are allowing the fans to do it. I buy This, this whole segment's I... deteriorating. Okay, buy or Sinone. Brian Kelly's trash talk to FSU. I'm synoning that because, well, it's sort of idiotic. It's whatever. The slingshot was not meant for Kane Madden. Kane Madden ain't about slingshots. Did you see that, Josh? No, I haven't seen it. 
Okay, so this is from Brad Powers, who covers Notre Dame. I haven't seen it anywhere else, but Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly on the success in getting graduate transfers that visit campus. Quote, it's not about a fancy car show. It's not about the glitz. It's about making a sound business decision because they've already been through that. I'm buying it. I like it. I like the trash talk. Uh Mr. Fancy Brian Kelly over here is 0-5 in, uh, in meaningful bowl games. But, you know, whatever, whatever. He, he's flashy and fancy, whatever. Uh, let's see. Chris Nee, buy oh. Orsonone, softball. I'll buy it. I mean, I, they've made it this far. You know, OU is the best team in the country. OU, if you're going into the tournament picking a team, I think vast majority of people would pick OU to be the team that won it. James Madison put a scare in them in the first game. They fight out a loser's bracket. Same story for FSU. They fought out a loser's bracket. I believe it's the first time ever that both teams came out of a loser's bracket for the championship. I think OU is going to win, but hell, they just keep winning. So I'm not going to bet against the girls. Lonnie does a great job. They know how to pitch. They get key hits. They win. It's been fun. That softball program is awesome to keep up with. Second chance to win a national title. Won it the first time that they made it there. I'm not betting against them until they're not hoisting the trophy. Uh, take the second here to give the, the baseball postmortem to please, Christopher. Well, I'm synoning on the baseball team. I mean, right? it wasn't a buyer synon question, but that's I, fine. But, uh, that season was brutal. The, the fielding was such an issue so often. Early in the year, it was better than it had been, but it once again kind of degraded. They couldn't get meaningful outs when it came to, you know, at bats where they need to move on over. It was such boomer ball, bomb ball. They had to hit home runs or they kind of didn't survive. It just it wasn't very enjoyable. It was kind of a bit of a relief when it came to an end, as disappointing as it is for a season to come to an end. They just they not well constructed enough of a team and they weren't made to play four or five games in a regional. When they lost to Old Miss in that game because of the error that two runs scored on, they basically lost that regional, even though they still had a chance to play themselves out of the losers bracket. They just weren't constructed for that. So disappointing it's going to be a very interesting year next year i'm interested to see how much they lose from that lineup not that the lineup was killer's row i just don't know who's next and that's sort of concerning with that lineup but i do think they're going to have pitching again my hope is that maybe the bullpen will be a little more stable throughout the entire year it was good this year numbers look good but there were times where it just was too inconsistent to be reliable enough to win the games in the key moments against top tier teams zachary by orsonone there's no better feeling in the world than beating Chris Knee to the bench. Aye. <laughs> Take that, Knee. I hope you get all of the tickets. All of the- <laughs> Zach, did you talk your way out of ticket, parking tickets? Yeah, I did. But she was brutal, man. We told, like, Chris and I went up, and uh, Chris and I, like, pointed towards my car to, like, like, oh, we're getting a media pass, so you don't need to give me, you know, a ticket. And literally within three minutes, she went over there and gave me a ticket. Zach sat in amazement as it was happening. I'm like, Zach, she is literally right behind your car. I mean, she's between your car and the car beside you. So oh, you have right. a You're getting a ticket right now. Chris, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. He hates parking attendance. Oh, passion. Passion. Yeah. yes. Passion. I actually have a good friend who was a tow truck driver. But in general, in general tow truck drivers and parking attendants, no, you're wrong. Remember the time I got a boot on my car on signing day, Chris? I do. It was a good time. I tell that story often. Oh, good. I'm glad you took uh, pleasure in that. Congrats. <laughs> By Orsonone, this is for everyone, but I'm start out with Josh. Travis Hunter is the best representative FSU has ever had as a recruit. I know it's a long list of guys. <laughs> Hard to argue. 
with what he's working with, you know, meaning a three win season and the recruiting he's doing. So yeah, sure. I'm buying that. Yeah. Chris, if Derwin listens to this, he's so pissed off at you right now. I'm just going to say Derwin. Like I said, Derwin was coming off of 2013. You know, he had more to work with. That's what I want to know. Hmm. A tattoo. tattoo? We asked him about, we asked Travis when he was on the bench, we asked him about the tattoo. That's what we do here. We ask the hard hitting journalistic questions that matter. Travis said, maybe. Travis has been phenomenal for them. The fact he spent an entire week here is huge. And when you're only winning three games and you're trying to kind of climb out of that hole, having a guy who's willing to build relationships and authentic relationships and who is working his backside off that much, who is that much of an elite player, it speaks a hell of a lot to what he's trying to be and what he can be for this team. And I think he's sort of a cornerstone. You know, when you're building a program, you have those cornerstone pieces. I think wholeheartedly he is one of those. Zach, you're a little younger. You may not contextually like have LaMarcus Joyner high on the radar there, but but still buyers to know uh, that the Travis Hunter question. Well, I had the, the bell cow and Sam Howell, so that's a good, um, <laughs> yeah, you know. But, but if we're talking about Travis Hunter, I think – the thing that is so impressive is I think Travis Hunter actually gets kids to visit FSU, like on his own. Um, mm-hmm. Florida State staff has just basically let Travis Hunter become, you know, one of their recruiters. I think they value him as an elite recruiter on their staff just because he has such pull in, in, in the recruiting world. Because if you ask anyone, they, they know his name. They know who Travis Hunter is. And they see his photos that he's posting on Instagram of him and really cool FSU, you know, photo shoots and all that. And, and they want to be a part of it. So I think that's a, a part of the reason why I think they a lot of kids visit campus. They want to go hang out with Travis Hunter. They want to go take photos of Travis Hunter. And, and I think he's doing a great job. And I've never seen you know anything like his pull um, with kids coming to FSU. I don't even like I don't want to undermine what LaMarcus Joyner was for that 2010 class and getting Jimbo's vision starting to get solidified. Um, him and Jeff Luck were, were huge and, and symbolic. And then obviously Derwin James was a longtime FSU commit who had legitimate like sweat equity of, of putting an in ink and, and then recruiting for FSU uh, for a long time. But yeah, what Travis Hunter has done uh, is remarkable because like like Zach said, people actually legitimately want to follow him. Uh it's impressive. All right, Chris has to get going, so I'm going to hurry up here. Uh, let's see. Byer Sinone, Josh being the first one of us to have a nervous breakdown in June. Chris, what do you think? Byer Sinone, Josh being the first one. I'm going to Sinone. I'll, I'll go ahead and volunteer myself for that. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Zach, what do you think? You're reading the room right now. Byer Sinone, is it Josh? No, it's you. What? <laughs> Oh, I get young Zachary. Yeah, I got so many vacation dates I'm about to take. You don't even know. You don't even know. I think Josh, I'm gonna have a nervous. If anything, I would just be. I would just fall out because I'm tired. But there's no. We're doing great here. There's no stressing. Josh is on a coffee strike and it's really kicking his ass. Yeah, I'm on a coffee strike and also I drove back to St. Pete on Monday. <laughs> And now it's Tuesday, and I'm going to tape this podcast and then drive back to Tallahassee. I'm going to attend the big man camp on Wednesday, and then I'm going to drive back to St. Pete. Yeah, a lot of driving, a lot of driving. Chris, before you go, Bayer Sinone, over under 0.5 commits by the end of June. No, I think they'll get at least one. I mean, I, I don't think they're truthfully pushing all that hard to get kids to do it then and there emotionally while they're about to go take other visits. I don't think they want that happening. But by the end of the month, yeah, I think there's probably a guy or two who shuts it down and goes ahead and does it. You like how, not- how I didn't even submit a buyer to known format there? 
Good job. That's my fault. Amateur hour over here. Bye. All right, Chris. Actual BYE. Have a good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, by Orsonone, leaving a public place and then returning just to poop. Uh, Sinone. That's only a Josh Newberg move. Well, you didn't have to call him out on that. that that's that's fine. <laughs> Josh, by Orsonone, Clove. Well, I'm not buying because it's it's ripping. <laughs> but in that sense, I'm buying. In the sense of the game, I am buying Clove right now. Oh, we're, my God. We're finally God. getting out of there. We haven't recorded our worst stock show in a little while because we've been so busy. But It'd be a great if, week to do that. If there was a time to do it. Oh, my God. The stock market's fun again. It's always on the bench. On the bench has always been fun. All right, so let's wrap this up. We have the big man camp that Josh is driving back up for. God bless you. And 7-on-7. Uh, seven seven. When's the 7-on-7? Seven seven? Is that also on Wednesday? When? It's the same day on Wednesday. Oh my God! There's going to be that much going on. That's why I'm coming up. I'm uh, I'm specifically going to cover big man camp, um, primarily shoot video of Elijah Pritchett working out with uh, Alex Atkins. That's what I want to see, and also any sleepers that arrive. I mean, I'm sure we're going to see some kids roll up, you know, that haven't been seen in 14 months, and maybe a new offer too. So that's exciting to me. But I think there's also going to be about a dozen teams on campus for seven on seven. So. Luckily, there's four of us. Uh, we'll split it up and we'll have full coverage on Knowles 24-7. Oh, I got one more buyer to know before we go. This was a bit of a surprise. Uh, FSU coaches were attending the FIU camp, their satellite camp yesterday. Uh, there were some surprises by Orsonone. Mike Norvell showing up in Miami. I think that that's a big buy for me. That's a uh, that's a power move by Mike hosting a huge camp in Tallahassee and then extending the weekend to Monday and going to see South Florida prospects. I mean, that's the gist of it. Mike Norvell has a presence in South Florida. Right. Surprising them too. I think that added Mm -hmm. to it. And another thing with, with that, um, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Brandon Ennis, Santana Fleming and Jalen Brown all showed up at the FIU camp. So little return on investment. They got to get, get to see those guys and, and talk with them a little bit. And with Norvell going down there, that's just a, like you said, it's a power move just to get, his his face in, in front of them and I, I you know I don't think Ennis or, or Fleming worked out but still uh, with all the FSU coaches down there and them in attendance I think that's just a, such a uh, a smart move. By Orsonone, me, my whole presence, this whole setup that you're seeing right now, this tank top, this newfound muscles. What do we got? Bye. It's pretty much everyday, Brendan. Let's end the show. All right, for Josh Newberg, Zach Blostein, Chris Knee. I, Brendan Sonoma, has been on the bench. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll talk to you hopefully later this week, but no promises. My boys are tired right now. My boys, I, I meant... Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.